0: So today's sermon title is what happened, and you know, it just, it just so happened that yesterday I had to ask my son, Josiah, you know, King Josiah, eight years old, right, I talked about it last week, similar story. So yesterday he was, he was on his scooter and going down the driveway, and as he edged near the end toward the street, he, he tried to get off in, in case a car came, but he rolled his ankle really bad, and so he sprained it. And, and so he's there just crouching on the street and just crying, crying. I'm going, what happened? What happened? You know, and, and he's telling me that, that he did something. He, he rolled it a bent in a weird way, and he's just, like, crying on my arm. And, and I had to, you know, carry him inside. It was, like, snot all over my sleeve, you know. And, and I'm just, like, very comforting him. And then I had to go quickly tend to the other kids way later. And, and I heard Josiah, you know, where he was sitting, he, he was, like, started worshiping again started worshiping and, and, and declaring uh, these four words. He told me, he's like, I was singing, Our God is Greater. As you know. And, and if you know the song, it's Our God is Greater, Our God is Healer, Our God is Higher Than Any Other. I can't sing. I should stop. Um, I think that to the worship team. But he, he was worshiping again. You know, and if you were here last week, that, that's what he was doing. When he was, he was vomiting, he had a stomach bug negative for COVID. Don't worry. And he was just worshiping. Um, and he and then he told me that, you know, sometimes God allows bad things to happen for a good reason. It, it's for my good. And so he was doing the same thing again, and I just thought this is amazing. And again, this is exactly what I want to talk about today for my sermon. And so again, the question of what happened. And in, in this phrase, what happened, can mean, you know, many things in, in, in the English language, right? Literally, hey, what happened? Or like, ooh, what happened? Or, or like, wait, what happened? Right? so... It, depending on the inflection, it can be many things, but you'll see why I, I chose this title, because there is something that happens that the author, the narrator, points out that kind of gives us a nudge-nudge a wink wink as in, "Look, God is in control." You'll see it now, but God is in control. Remember, the, the entire you know a thesis, the main theme is is that, "My God is still king, and so to him I will cling." My God is still king, so to him I will cling in difficult times. And so, again, you'll see what happens. And so we're going to do a little bit of recap back in Ruth chapter 1. I want to start from the the last passage. Remember um, Naomi, you know, she and her husband, her two sons and daughters-in-law, they went to Moab because there was a famine in Israel, because the people have, have turned to idolatry, turned away from the Lord. So God, you know, lovingly disciplines them to turn them back. And so amidst this famine, they go to Moab instead of staying in the land of promise, instead of staying in the land of promise and repenting, instead of that, they go, you know what, let's go to the other side of the river. Maybe there's some prosperity there waiting for us. And and, and so they go, but the exact opposite happens. Naomi loses her husband, and then the only two sons that she had, they die as well. So she comes back to Bethlehem, hearing that the Lord has visited his people, that the heavens have opened again. There has been rain, there's crops, it's the barley harvest. Interestingly, the barley harvest happened around April and May, and then the wheat harvest happened in June. So interestingly, it just coincides with where we are today as we're looking at the book of Ruth. You know, at the end of May, the beginning of June. So this is around the time this happens. But before that, I just want to rewind a little bit. Look at verse 19. I believe we have it up here. So the two of them went on... Until they came to Bethlehem. Remember, bayit the house of bread in Hebrew. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi, whose name means pleasant, right? She said to them, do not call me Naomi Pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, bitterness. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Let's pause there. Naomi is saying, look, 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 my life has has taken the worst turn. I, you know, I went away full, and I came back empty. Yeah, my life might have looked pleasant at first, you know, growing up and whatnot, but look, it, it's completely bitter now. This, this is all that there is. This, is. this is how I define myself. This is how I'm going to relate to people. How many of us go through that, right? Things we've been through in the past, whatever bitter experience we've been through, it's easy to say, you know what? I'm going to hang on to that. That's going to define who I am. And the way that I relate to everyone is going to be through that bitterness, through that experience. When I'm ministering to people, what I notice as I talk with them and I hear their story more and more is I find this usual common theme that comes up is because, you know, this is what they went through in their past. And, and so now this is why they're living in the way that they are today. This is why they're having problems in their marriage today, problems in their family today, problems in just in life in general, you know, the things that they're continuing to do over and over and over again that keeps them getting stuck in this spiritual rut. And I realize there's this connection. They went through something in the past. And and without realizing it, they are bitter about that, whether it's bitter towards a person or bitter at God or just bitter at life in general in the world. And it's determining how they are coping with that bitterness and how they relate to other people because of that. And they don't even realize that and have to make that connection for them. The secular world will tell you it's that person's fault or that event's fault why you are the way that you are. But biblically, what we see is that we decide... Whether we're going to allow that to control us and master us and be our Lord. Or will we cling to the king who is still king? Will we allow ourselves to see through the pain and see that God might have a purpose through this? And he's working out his redemption. When I turn from Moab and I go back to the land of promise, to the presence of God, could it be that I might see a silver lining of God's glory in this that I didn't see before. How are we doing? Are are we allowing our bitterness of the past control us? Are, Are we allowing it to get us stuck? Are we allowing that pain to ultimately become the idol to which we bow, to which we say, yes, Lord? You know, the interesting thing is about bitterness is that when, when we hold them in, in our heart in contempt and unforgiveness or resentment, they could care less. They've moved on with life. But who's in prison? Yourself. And it's controlling everything that you do. How you relate to people, how you go about life, the choices you make, and the small details and the big details of life. Call me Mara. This is me. This is my life. This is how you need to relate to me now. This is how I see life. This is how you should see life too. And we impose that onto other people. And so this is what's happening here. This is what's happening with Naomi. But as you'll see, she'll begin to finally see the light. She'll begin to see past the pain. As we continue to read. So verse 22. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Let's pause right there. You know what's interesting? I just learned a, a, a recent fact. Speaking of harvesting, that bees, bumblebees, right? Has anyone here been stung by a bee? Yeah, I have. I still remember. Right on my finger, I was in kindergarten. I was crying like a baby. It turns out that without bees, we wouldn't have 75% of the fruit and veggies that we have. Bees pollinate a lot of the fruit and veggies that we eat. Without them, it wouldn't happen. God uses them in the economy of the entire created order, to bring about 75% from, from apples to oranges to watermelon to grapes? Do we look at the things, the pain that stings in our lives, and we go, there's no purpose beyond this. They just need to be out of my life. But could it be that God is using that to pollinate, to bring about some kind of redemption for you to enjoy when it's time, when the harvest is near, and yet we don't see it? Isn't it the height of pride to say, you know what, God, I know everything from the past, present, and future. There's no way, there's absolutely no way that this pain can bring about good, because I know it all. Is that not the height of pride? Naomi, will start to see this soon, as we continue here in the story. Ruth chapter 2, look at here, look at verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech. Elimelech was her deceased husband whose name was Boaz. Let's Pause right there. Boaz. And you'll start to see why this is important, but I just want to pause right there. Elimelech, remember, Elimelech, the deceased husband of Naomi. There's a relative whose name was Boaz, and it says what? He was a worthy man. In Hebrew, the word worthy can essentially mean someone who has excellent character, excellent character in, in God's eyes, and God blesses him. So, so he, he's, a, he's a worthy man. And what's interesting is that this guy Boaz, during the famine, he endured the trial. He did not leave to go to Moab to look for prosperity elsewhere. He said, I'm going to stay here in Bethlehem and endure this trial that God has sent. And we see that he's a worthy man. And we're about to see that God has blessed him so much. This this guy has way more barley and wheat than he knows what to do with. And so he waited it out. He, he endured the trial sent by God. And again, Hebrews chapter 12, 11, I keep bringing this up, right? All discipline is painful at the present time, and yet it yields a harvest of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That is, those who endure it, those who submit to it. And that's exactly what he did. And the fact is, is that we, what we want to do is that we want to scramble, right? When we're enduring trials, it's like, no, we want to scramble. How, how, do, how do I get out of this? How do I end this already? And, and that might be a fine prayer to pray, To pray, but will we endure under the trial? Will we, walk, will we trust and walk in God's ways? You know, the fact is, is that sometimes it's not that we don't have faith that God can change a situation. It's we lack faith that God can bring good out of an unchanging situation. Sometimes it's not that we don't have faith that God can change a situation. It's that we lack faith that God can bring good out of an unchanging situation. And so we scramble. We scramble away from the will of God. But as here, he stays. And so it, 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 here's here's just bottom line: everything that God allows in your life is for your good. Everything. Romans chapter eight twenty eight. Everything for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose, He works everything for our good to conform us into the image of Christ for the glory of God. Everything. So everything you're going through, whatever you have going on today, what you went through yesterday, whether it was sad or happy or whatever, all of that is being used for your good. Otherwise, God wouldn't allow it. God's not lying when he said that. He would not allow it if it somehow wasn't for your good. To stretch you, to mold you, to shape you into the image of Christ. How many of us go, Lord, I I just, Jesus, I want to be more like you. And then God says, okay, here's some trials to make you more like me. And we go, no. (laughs) Everything God allows us for our good. And here's the thing is that when we're going through these trials, like I said, it's an opportunity to grow. And so the question is, is that how do we grow? What, what is the nature of what we call sanctification, big theological word. How do we grow into the image of Christ? How do we do that? It happens by daily trusting God's promises and then daily following in his precepts. So trusting in God's promises and then daily following in his precepts. Every single detail, every step of obedience you take, is going to be used to build on itself, to conform you into the image of Christ. So if you're looking at Boaz, you go, okay, I want to be a man of, or a woman of excellent character. How do I do this? You know, Second Peter chapter 1, it talks about this. I believe we have it up here. He describes this process of how Christian growth works. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What we see here is that perseverance doesn't happen passively. It does not happen passively, but it happens purposefully. Perseverance is not, you just kind of do life as usual, business as usual, you will not grow. I guarantee it. This is promising it. The only way to actually grow is to be purposeful in your walk with God, and is to build on these things, faith, virtue, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, affection, all these things. When you build on these things, these steps of obedience, walk in the precepts of God based on the trusting of the promises of God, this is how you will grow. This is how you will grow into a person of excellent character in God's sight. This is the person that God will bless. This is the person who will not be ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. It's not passive, it's purposeful. Again, in the daily steps of obedience. In the last place me and my family lived, we had a unit right across from us, and we were on the second floor. And then I remember one time the neighbor knocked on my door saying, I- I'm locked out of my unit. You know, can you help me? And I'm like, okay, yeah, we we do have a ladder, you know, in the garage. So I'm going to take that ladder. And I climbed up to the top rung of the ladder, and then I got to the balcony. My hand's on the balcony. I'm hanging. (laughs) And I'm like, this could go really bad. But by the grace of God, I had been doing a lot of pull-ups leading up to that point. (laughs) Day in and day out. You know, I had a pull-up bar, you know, hanging over my closet. So I was doing those. And so thankfully, by the grace of God, I was able to just pull myself up. And I got in. And she was like, yes, that that screen door opens. Just get in. And so I got in. I unlocked the door. And I got it. you know, and, and she was just so, so thankful. Why? Because it, it, it took this daily choice to take care of myself. And in time, when the time came, when the test came, I was able to pass it. And, and, and similarly, how is it that we think, And when we put so much discipline into other areas of our lives, whether it's career or our community friendships or our hobbies or whatever it is, and and we put so much discipline and self-control and and continuous effort into those things, knowing that that's what it takes to actually be successful in those things, but we think in our spiritual lives, we don't need to do that. Why? Galatians chapter 6, you will reap what you sow. God is not mocked. You sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. But you sow to the spirit, you will reap eventually eternal life. Perseverance does not happen passively, but purposefully. Day in and day out. And this Boaz right here, a man of excellent character, showed exactly that. And he reaped the harvest right there. Look at verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean from the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened, there's that word, to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Remember, that's her husband, deceased husband, right? So she's a widow here. And so this is what we call God's providence. Again, the person who's recording this giving us a little nudge and going, look, something happened, you know? <laughs> but what we see is God's providence. Again, big theological word of how God uses natural means to accomplish his supernatural purposes. This, this, I love this doctrine, God's providence. It's right up there with the fact that God does miracles. That God is this wise and this much in control that he can take the ordinary affairs of life and use that to accomplish his ultimate glorious purposes. That is miraculous on its own. This is God's providence. All these things begin to happen. What this means is that there's purpose in every movement, in every moment of your life. If you're feeling hopeless, rest in this truth of God's providence. Every single detail, everything that happens to happen is not coincidence. You know what, I love hearing stories from you guys of how you even ended up at this church. We were doing that during spring cleaning yesterday. I was talking with one of the sisters in Christ here and and, and just how God just orchestrated, you know, meeting this person, that person, being invited because someone was just relentlessly pursuing them and now they found their true hope in Christ. And you guys all have your own stories of that too. Reflect on your life how good God has been and his providence. (laughs) Sometimes his providence is a little bit more obvious. There was a story back in like 1950, I believe in Nebraska, where this small Baptist church, they were having choir practice on like a Saturday. And they were supposed to meet at 7.20 p.m. And usually people arrive a little early, like 7.15. But for some reason, everyone was late. 15 members of the choir. All 15. That has never happened. And you know what happened at 7.25 p.m.? There was a gas leak and the church exploded. So much so that the surrounding windows of the neighborhood were shattered and the radio went off, off the airwaves. It was so powerful. All 15 would have died. But for some reason, all 15 were late, and they all had some random reason why they were all late. Like one, one lady, her dress got dirty, so she had to wash it and iron it. Another one ended up taking a nap and woke up late. I know, I'm like, man, I guess, you know, me being late isn't so bad after all. i <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these random reasons, and, and the, like cars not starting, random reasons. All 15 were late. Never happened before. God's providence. Miraculous. Miraculous. What we see here is that, you know, this whole idea that God's will happening right there. You don't even realize it, we miss it. times we think of God's will as something that's future. I'm trying to figure out what God's will is. And that's that's all good and and, and great that you're you're praying about that. That's important that we do though is surrender everything to God, seek his wisdom out of wanting to obey him. But the fact is, is that God's will is also happening right now. In the present moment. Right now. And how are you obeying God right now? How are you loving God right now? How are you loving one another right now? How are you reaching out to the lost world? Right now. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. Right now. Jesus said in the Gospels, he who is faithful with a little will be faithful with much. He who is dishonest with a little will be dishonest with much. Child of God, how are you being faithful now? Are you trusting the Lord God who is still king? Are you walking in his royal decrees now. Let's be faithful. Wow, I am already out of time. <laughs> Let me just pause there. God and his providence, look at your life and how he has been weaving in so much redemption and you've missed it and all you've been experiencing and seeing and relating to people and God is through this lens of bitterness. But God is carrying out Romans chapter 12, verse 1-2, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And he brought you to the foot of the cross. And he says, look, not only am I going to promise to do good to you all the days of your life, Psalm 23, verse 6, but I'm going to cover all of your shame, all the times that you didn't trust me, all the times that you, you went to Moab, all the times that you did not walk in my ways. I will cover all of that at the cross. I will forgive you of all of that. And I will bring you to the promised land of the new Jerusalem and the new heavens and the new earth one day. Until then, everything that happens in your life, everything that's happening right now is for your good. So follow me. Follow me as I carry out my redemptive plan in your life right now. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you now. We thank you, Lord, that indeed you are still king. And Lord, it's to you that we want to claim. We don't want to scramble away when trial comes our way, but knowing that everything you allow is somehow for my good and somehow for your glory as a result. And so right now, Lord, as we're sitting in the midst of your will that's happening right now, may I be found to be faithful. On top of my faith, may I build virtue. On top of virtue, steadfastness. On top of steadfastness, godliness. On top of godliness, brotherly affection. On top of that, love. Lord, may you be glorified as I grow in Christ in daily obedience. Lord, I want to be purposeful, not passive. I want to persevere for your glory. So that in time, we will realize that indeed our labor was not in vain, that we will sow and reap a harvest of righteousness as we sit under your authority and your training and discipline in our lives. Lord, may we be faithful today. May may we love you as you have revealed yourself in Christ. Our Lord God, who covers all our shame, it's all washed away, and so we can rest in your presence. And from this place, we can go out in confident strength, loving you, loving one another, loving the lost world out there with the gospel. And may our lives indeed be a living sacrifice, our spiritual worship to you, as we transform our minds with these truths and be able to discern your good, pleasing, and perfect will for your glory. We trust you, God. We follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.